0: And so I wanted to thank you for the weather that you provided for me this uh, past few days, 50 some odd degrees. That is awesome. Thank you. Uh, That's half of what we are in in Dallas. But uh, yes, I am Eric. uh, I was here maybe four years ago, five years ago. I can't really recall the specific date. Uh, Y'all were very generous and kind to me. Thank you so much. Uh, You're a very, very friendly bunch. So just want to say welcome uh, to this building, which is a beautiful building, but I want to remind you that you are the church. And so thank you for showing up today, and for those of you who are live streaming or watching on Facebook or however you watch the video, uh, if you're in the Ashland, Nebraska area, uh, this is a church home for you. Uh, come, come say hi, hug next, and be part of the family here. Uh, I really don't like to be talked to by strangers. It's just a weird thing. Uh, so I don't want to be a stranger to you. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to introduce you and invite you into my life for a little bit. Uh, this is my wife, uh, Jennifer, and me. We've been married for 31 years, and uh, yeah, we were really young when we got married. And uh, but uh, Jennifer and I uh, married 31 years, and then God blessed us with these children, and there are five of them, all boys. Right? <laughs> so five boys growing up in the home. And starting from your right to left, we have Luke. He's the youngest. Uh, we just took him to college. We just dropped him off. We're empty nesters. Uh, so it's, it's an amazing thing. Yes, I, that deserves a clap, right? Uh, but Luke is a freshman in college. Next to him is, uh, and Luke is studying to be a doctor of physical therapy. That's what he wants to do. Uh, next to him is Gabriel. He is... Uh, At Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, studying exercise science, and uh, uh, he is a Division I athlete, so one out of five uh, became an athlete in college. He is a high jumper. Uh, Any track and field folks in here? Okay, there you go. Nice, nice. Over here, saw it. He's a high jumper. His PR, his personal record of high jump is 6 feet 11 and 3 quarter inches, so he's almost jumping 7 foot. Uh, as a high jumper. Uh, He is in his junior year, and uh, we're excited to see what God does with him. Uh, In the middle, uh, the middle child, the peacemaker, the the one who always makes peace, right, is Josiah. Uh, Josiah graduated Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and he and his wife are in Pennsylvania, uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and uh, uh, he is a youth pastor and teaching Greek and ultimate Frisbee. (laughs) Who knew? The school needed a PE course, so he suggested his favorite sport, ultimate Frisbee. Uh, And then Micah is uh, our second born, and uh, Micah is, uh, what is he doing? He is an educator. Any educators in the room? All right, maybe one or two, great. Uh, he is the music teacher at the same elementary school that he went to and grew up as a kid. So that's been a really neat story to share. He and his wife uh, live near us in the Dallas area. Uh, and then our oldest is Caleb. This is the one that we really screwed up because we had no idea what we were doing. Um, Caleb is, uh, and his wife also live in the Dallas area. As a matter of fact, he is the worship pastor at Benton Tree Bible Fellowship, the church in, in Carrollton, Texas, where we worship where I was a pastor on staff for 17 years. uh, When in 2020, I stepped off of a staff to start a nonprofit ministry called Reclaim Leadership to travel around and encourage pastors uh, when they say, if this is ministry, I don't want anything to do with it, uh, and infuse hope and biblical perspective for them to stay the course of ministry. But Caleb is the worship pastor at that church. He and his wife, like I said, live close to us, and they gave us this. Our first grandson Uh, he is currently 11 months old this is a little older picture but Judah Graham Willis uh, is my first grandbaby and uh, I I don't have words any grandparents in the house right what are the words (laughs) it's just it's amazing uh, to spoil them and hand them back and and uh, all that fun stuff all right so here are the ladies uh, the Willis ladies Uh, my wife Jennifer in the middle And then uh, there's Kimberly. That's Caleb's wife. Uh, She is a vocal teacher at a Christian uh, school in the Dallas area. Um, And Katie is Micah's wife, and she is an educator as well. She's special education elementary is what she does. And here is Madison and Josiah. Oh, my goodness. Another grandbaby, too, is due in November. They just... uh, Uh, gave us that news, but I have to tell you, and I don't have a picture of this because the news is so fresh, Micah and Katie, the baby is due in March, so grandbaby number three is on the way. So, the Willis family is growing and growing and growing, Um, and with all these decades of uh, children, (laughs) you can imagine that not every memory is rosy. Today's sermon, I want to share with you, uh, the title is, Do You Want to Be Well? There were periods of time, as the kids were growing up, that we hit some difficult patches. Anybody? Okay. Okay. an astounding statistic, 100% of human beings suffer, all right? So we hit some bumps in the road. One of those was when Jennifer had a seizure. Uh, She passed out, hit her head. Uh, It was Good Friday, so I was at the church working an event, Good Friday event. I get a telephone call from one of the kids. Uh, Dad, mom's fallen. She's hit her head. Ambulance is on the way. Well, We had no idea what was going on with her physically, months and months of doctor's appointments and visits and tests for this and tests for that, and they came to an inconclusive conclusion that uh, it was just one of those freak things that happens in life. She had a seizure, and she's fine today, fine today. By the way, she's a NICU nurse. She works with little babies in the hospital. So that was a rough patch. But then I remember back uh, when Micah, the bearded one, the tall, the second born, uh, was about four years old, and he wanted to give his mom a birthday present. So he was jumping on the bed and doing flips, and he wanted to give his mom a birthday present. Well, he lost his balance and hit the side of a computer table and gashed his head open. Happy birthday, mom. We wrapped his head in a towel and rushed him to the emergency room. It was a pretty big gash all the way down to the bone. They had to suture it up and all that. But we walked through the emergency room doors. They slide open. The nurse meets us there, and she just goes flush, just white as a sheet. And that's when we realized that we had wrapped his head in a a red bath towel, and she thought he had bled (laughs) out. So word of advice, when you compress a wound, don't use a red towel, all right? So, um, But then there was a time that... uh, my seventh grade boy quarterback dropped back for a pass. First play of the game, first down of the season, he drops back for a pass, about to make the throw, and he is blindsided by a 300 pound seventh grader. Here's a picture of Luke. Yeah, he has, uh, he's our bionic boy uh, bolts and screws and rods. He broke his femur. What's the most difficult bone to break in your body? The femur. So he is our bionic boy. Uh, He's doing great today. It's actually one of the, God used this as one of the reasons he wants to be a physical therapist. uh, Because of his experience uh, through that period of time. But then there came a time when I received a telephone call. It was March of this year. In March of this year, I received what I call my wake-up call. 8.30 a.m., my doctor uh, calls with some lab results. And what you need to know is that I'm type 2 diabetic. And when I received my diagnosis at the age of 40, which was about a dozen years ago, I took the pills. I didn't think anything of it. Just didn't change my lifestyle. Didn't exercise. Didn't eat clean. Didn't... Do what the doctors recommended I do. I received this telephone call in March this year. The doctor says your A1C number is 10.3. If you know, you know. You see, an A1C number uh, over 10, the doctor began to clarify what will be happening to me. My feet will go numb, I'll lose nerve sensation in my legs possibly to the point of amputation can get so bad if i continue to neglect and uh, not do the things i need to be doing to take care of my type 2 diabetes then uh, i'm facing kidney failure i'm facing losing my eyesight and the list kept going on and on and on hung up that telephone call and i was angry I wasn't mad at my doctor. I was mad at me. I was angry because I wasn't doing what I needed to do to take care of myself. The reality is that in 2022 cancer diagnoses are going to be going through the roof. I have a Slide that shows a statistic here—an estimated 1.9 million. You see, cancer hits a lot of us real close to home. My sister, whom lives in different state, uh, I don't see her that often. I got to visit her this past week. Double mastectomy, breast cancer. She's a survivor. She's a thriver. She's a fighter. You know, cancer hits way too close to home. In a 2020 study uh, from the uh, diabetic uh, folks, they said that 10.5% of the U.S. population had either type 1, type 2, or type 1.5 diabetes in 2020. First of all, who knew there was a type 1.5? But then that number is staggering. 10. I'm one of them. And yeah, I can get as mad as I want at me, but it boils down to me answering my wake-up call. There's another statistic and this one's going to blow you away. 100% of those of us breathing in this room will not be at some point in the future. But before we go all gloom and doom and woe is me, all right? I want to take us to God's Word this morning. I want us to take a look at John chapter 5. Since none of us are immune from physical hurts and ailments, and we get this wake-up call, I want us to see how someone responded to a wake-up call when Jesus showed up. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. All right, let's stop there. I know, you're thinking, oh boy, this is going to be a long day. After this, let's go back to chapter 4 for just a minute, and take a look at what after this refers to. You see, Jesus is beginning His earthly ministry. He has got His disciples with Him, and Uh, He's traveling through Samaria and Galilee and Cana. You see the map there. He's he's in the northern part. He's headed down toward Judea, toward Jerusalem. He heals uh, uh, an officer's son. He talks to a Samaritan. Uh, He's on his way to Jerusalem. Now, the Feast of the Jews is most likely the Feast of Tabernacles in the year 31 A.D., Fun fact, that would have been about October 21st to 28th in 31 A.D. Verse 2. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. This pool is right outside the Sheep Gate entrance, and this is an artist's rendering Some scholars believe it had five colonnades to represent the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The Sheep Gate was a small opening in the north wall of the temple. You see that there, a big sidewalk road leading up to it. Um, When we think pool, we think chlorinated uh, uh, diving boards, floaties, koozies. That's not what this was. In ancient times, pools were known as mikvahs. These were pools of water usually rich in mineral content to soak their physical pains, more like a spa than a swimming pool. Some believe the waters held healing powers. So many of the sick and crippled and lame of society perched themselves around these colonnades, not just for hours, not just for days, some for years all in the hope of being healed. The upper class and those who were coming to the temple to worship and wish to be ritually pure would avoid this area. But not Jesus. Within these colonnades by a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. 38 years. Anyone here under the age of 38? I'm just curious. Well done. Glad you're here. This man lived 38 years disabled. Unable to move. He's Laying by the pool. I'm curious. All right, interaction time. In ancient times, what do you believe the lifespan of the average male was? Any guesses? Great guess, lower. 42. 42, that's about right. 40 years was the average Lifespan. How long had this man been laying by the pool? His entire life had been disabled. When you think about that, you have to wonder what mindset he was in. This man had to have been hopeless and in despair. And then Jesus walks in. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he'd already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? A better translation of this actual text is Do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? Here's the man's wake up call. The question's pretty straightforward. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be well? In the original language, this concept of being well is to come into a certain state or possess certain characteristics to be, to become. Jesus is not asking him, do you want to get well? Do you want a quick fix to your problem? That's not what he's asking. Jesus wants to know from this man if he wants to become, to be fully engaged and infused with the characteristics of wellness. As straightforward as the question is, the man's response is just the opposite. A simple yes or no would have been sufficient. But this man looked and gives neither. Look at this next verse. Sir, the disabled man said said to him, he doesn't know who he's talking to. Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. This man goes off on why he can't make it to the pool. He begins with excuses as to why he cannot be healed. He's stuck in a mindset that he thinks that the pool is the only place where healing can come from. He also has no friends to help him into the pool. Superstition of the day linked the swirling waters to an angel coming down from heaven when more realistically and likely is that the pool was fed by intermittent springs which churned the mineral rich water. Here's the point. You get to choose your response. Do you want to be well? You get to choose your response. Do you go into a process of making excuses as to why you can't get healed? I know some of you are sitting there starting to freak out a little bit because I'm talking about healing. I'm actually talking about Jesus. When confronted with this question in your own life, are you a yes waiting to happen or do you spout excuses for why healing may not be applicable for you? What mindset are you stuck in that you believe the only way for healing is through a ritual of activities and you can't really see or acknowledge Jesus is right in front of you with His healing power? Verse 8. Jesus told him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now, that day was the Sabbath. Can you sense the compassion and the authority of Jesus? Look at the faith of the man who hasn't walked in 38 years. At once, he stood up, he didn't negotiate. He may have made excuses as to why he couldn't make it into the pool, but he didn't negotiate when Jesus told him to get up, take his mat, and walk. Look at the faith of the man. At once he stood up, took his bed, and walked. And uh uh-oh, it happened to be a Sabbath. Why do you think that's important? Let's take a look at Scripture. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. It's not lawful. There was a law in place that said you could not pick up your bed on a Sabbath. That was too much work to be done. The religious leaders had a rule that you couldn't move your mat. It's not a biblical rule, but one created by the leaders as they interpreted scriptures in Exodus, Jeremiah, Nehemiah, Their heart's intent in making that rule was, I believe, a good intent in order to keep the law of God. It was a misapplied rule, and although well-intentioned, it created a problem. Scripture continues, he replied, the man who made me well told me, take up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, pick up your mat and walk, they asked. All I know is this guy healed me. You can see the compassion of Jesus. And he's confronted here with this dual voice. Take up your mat and walk. Get back on your mat. 38 years, an invalid, a lame, can't walk. He's walking now. The man's response had to come across as incredulous. I've been lame and laying here for 38 years, and now you're telling me to get back on my mat? Right. All I know is this guy healed me, and I'm walking, and I'm walking toward the temple to worship God. What rules are standing in your way of asking for healing? The natural laws, science, logic, common sense. Yep, those are real, and those are valid. But the one who heals holds power over all laws. Especially the ones keeping you from approaching him with your request for healing. So, not only do you get to choose your response, you also get to choose the voices you listen to. And most often for us, it's the voices that are going on in our heads, right? Telling us we can't, or you aren't. Or reminding us of past failures. Or limiting us in our beliefs as they apply to our Creator God who knows us more intimately than anyone else and He still loves us. After this, Jesus found Him in the temple. After this, all the healing stuff and all that's going on Uh, After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See you're well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. Verse 13, But the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. A couple of observations here. Have you noticed Jesus has this uncanny ability to kind of disappear and kind of slide away? I don't think it is a mystical, magical kind of disappearing act that he does. He just goes along with his day. He moves through crowds. He disappeared in that moment. And he made his way to the temple. Where did Jesus find this healed man? In the temple. Worshiping God with deep gratitude. Can you imagine? You've been lame for 38 years and you are healed. Can you imagine how ecstatic you would be? Just beside yourself you would be. So many experiences that you had never experienced before. You're able to walk. You're able to skip. You're able to kneel and get up. You're able to run. You're able to experience a level of life that you've never had before. And this man ran to God first thing. Would you be grateful for healing? Or would you be thankful that you can now live your life the way you want without any physical obstacles in the way? This man ran to the temple to worship God, and Jesus found him there. When we read these words in verse 12, After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. That causes us to go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What exactly does this mean? Well, let me explain what it doesn't mean. Jesus is not threatening this man with more physical harm if he goes on and sins. Let's clarify. Would you say that Jesus is a discourager or encourager? He's an encourager. So have the picture of the encouraging Jesus in your mind and consider this. Look at you. You're doing great. My dear brother, sin has consequences that I want you to steer clear of. Let today be the transformation day for you. I'm so happy for you. That's the encouraging Jesus, and that's the message of don't sin because it has consequences. You know, when you think about all the passages, the majority of the passages where Jesus heals someone, there are five words that he attaches after that healing or after that engagement, that experience. Go and sin no more. Hmm. What's he saying? Oh, my precious son, my precious daughter, sin has consequences. I want you to steer clear of them and enjoy life lived Today in a transformative moment. He's not threatening more physical pain. He's speaking to eternal judgment of sin. And that's the wake-up call. That same wake-up call is coming your way. Will you take the call, or will you hang up on it? Here's the truth I want you to leave with today. Not that you're leaving right now, but I want you to take it when you do leave. Here's the truth. Can you see that? Physical healing may happen But spiritual healing must happen. I'm not against physical healing. As a matter of fact, I'm praying for my my physical healing. I'm praying for my sister's full healing and recovery from her cancer and a recent stroke that she suffered. I'm praying for my friends. I'm laying my hands on them. I'm praying for their physical healing. God desires us as brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for one another, carry one another's burdens, pray for healing for one another. Pray for healing for yourself. But here's what I'm convinced of as I read Scripture and I look at the physical healing accounts of Jesus. He so often includes a short saying, go and sin no more. I believe Jesus is more concerned for our spiritual well-being than for our physical healing. There, I said it. I believe Jesus is more concerned for our spiritual well-being than he is our physical healing. Does he want us to be as physically healthy as possible? Sure. Do we? Maybe. But we get the emphasis on the wrong syllable whenever we focus on physical healing and getting our physical needs met, and we leave out the reality of what Jesus desires, and that is a personal relationship, one-on-one spiritual well-being with every human being. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. That's not a physical abundance of life. That is a spiritual abundance of life. God so desires a relationship with us that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish spiritually. That have everlasting life. You see, Jesus is more concerned for our spiritual well-being than he is our physical health. Some people in the Christian circles have a problem with that. And I would just logically say, connect the dots, that if all of us are going to be physically healed, none of us are going to die. The purpose is not about our physical healing. The purpose is about us trusting that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. So what did the man do after learning it was Jesus who healed him? Verse 16. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. What's fascinating to me is that this man was worshiping in the temple. He had no idea that it was Jesus who healed him. And so Jesus is in the temple... And I don't think Jesus said, hey, I'm the guy that just healed you. My name's Jesus. No, I don't think he did that. I think this man who was healed heard other people talking. Oh, that's the guy from the pool. He's now walking. Jesus was in there. Jesus healed you. That was Jesus. And so when he found out it was Jesus who healed him, The man went and reported it to the Jews. When you have a story to tell, you let people know, right? The Jewish leaders demanded to know who did this. The healed man made sure to tell them it was Jesus. I don't think there was any ill intent in in his heart in going to tell on Jesus because he healed him. He shared out of his excitement, but the religious leaders pursued Jesus, accusing him of breaking the law, because remember what day it was? the sabbath he broke the law and worse than that it was blasphemy and they pursued him for blasphemy for a couple of more years and we know how that played out so here's the question i have for you today do you want to be well you may be thinking from the physical ailments the emotional hurts and hang-ups and habits and all these things that you carry along with you yeah that's part of it continue to pray for your deliverance in that area pray for healing but when i ask the question do you want to be well i'm asking it in context of how jesus expressed it when you answer this question do you want to be well are you thinking about the physical ailments you have or are you thinking about your spiritual well-being How might your response to that question sound to the ears of the one who has the power to heal? Not just for the physical, but ultimately for the spiritual. Are you bold in your plea for healing, or do you give an excuse as to why you can't be healed? Jesus knows you more intimately than you know yourself. He still loves you. He knows your physical, emotional, mental needs. And he is most concerned with your spiritual wholeness, your spiritual condition. When was the last time you took a pulse of your spiritual condition? We go to medical professionals for physical healing. We go to counselors and therapists for emotional assistance and help through difficult times. We seek out political leaders to rescue us from societal ills. Each of these are needed and they're necessary but all of them are supplemental to the true source of healing and hope, Jesus Christ. Do you want to be well? Jesus has to be enough. Do you want your well-being? Jesus is enough. And for some, your physical healing will come this side of heaven. I'm praying for it. For others, we will celebrate our healing the moment we arrive in heaven. The timing of our healing requires Jesus to be enough. Will you allow him to be? Today, Jesus is asking if you want to be made whole. He may choose to heal you physically, but he so desires the more important healing of your soul. So where are you on your journey at one point in my journey, I had my feet in a gutter, gutter and my rear end on a curb, and I was praying to die because I didn't want to live anymore. The emotional hurt was so intense. But it was in that moment that God tapped me on the heart and reminded me that I have come that you may have life, spiritual life abundantly in the here and now and for the forever, amen. Where are you? on your journey you see we're all on a journey to a forever destination to one of two very literal places heaven or hell and what determines your forever destination isn't how good of a person you are it's not how physically fit or healthy you are at this side of heaven what determines your forever destination is one thing and one thing only what will you do with jesus Do you believe that He was God's one and only Son, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, willingly went to the cross and became the sacrifice for us? Dying for us so that we didn't have to die spiritually. Forgiveness of sins is available. Your forever destination changes in that moment when you ask God to forgive you and to accept you and to take you. And in that moment, he doesn't turn his back or he doesn't go to a ledger and says, well, you did this and you did that, you said that, you hurt this person. He doesn't go through a ledger. He goes through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross and he covers you with it. And he says, absolutely, yes, you are forgiven. Now live in the forgiveness that you have received. You get to choose to trust Christ with your life or to remain spiritually crippled with only wishful hopes and excuses. Let Jesus calm your heart as you say yes to him. Yes, Lord, I choose to trust you today as I desire for you to forgive me of my sins and heal my soul. It's a simple prayer. It's not magical. Choose words that you prefer. But this morning, you're going to have an opportunity to pray ask the Lord for your spiritual well-being and healing for eternity and in this prayer pray for your physical health too pray for your friends who are hurting and in need of physical healing but just know that if physical healing does not happen this side of heaven Jesus is enough let's pray Father God thank you for your love for us, your mercy, your grace. God, I pray for those in this room that desire their spiritual well-being to reflect that which you have provided through Jesus on the cross. And in this moment, may their heart cry out to you, Lord, forgive me. Come, reside in me. I am yours. And God, I thank you that in this very moment, upon the prayer from their lips and their heart, you say absolutely yes. You are forgiven. God, I pray for this church, the group of people that you have brought together here at Riverview, that this community will be impacted. Not because they know the name of a church, but because they know the name of the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. If you prayed for God to heal you spiritually this morning, tell someone. When you have a story to share, share it. What other people do with that story, leave that up to them. Share the news of your new life in Christ. Church, and I'm talking about people, may God's blessings be upon you as you live in the forgiveness that you have received in Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you.